gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you Welcome to the Faith Walking Meditations once again um, I am present to how much a blessing uh, these times are for me. I was just talking about that in our uh, little group before we started, how much uh, rituals and, and the opportunity to slow down and to just check in a little bit with my soul and and the blessings of how the opportunity to walk through learning about the spiritual matters with others. So just wanted to mention that is a gift. It seems that we live lives that are so busy, maybe overcommitted. I don't know. For you, it is sometimes for me fast that uh, this is, is really a gift. So we are walking into this uh, learning, seeking God uh, by the hand of Trevor Hudson, Ignatius, and Dallas Wheeler. Kind of, right? This is a beautiful uh, journey. And um, today we're going to talk about uh, exploring life's greatest opportunity. That is kind of the title that um, is, is being offered by the author of the book about this chapter. And we have been talking really about what does it mean to see God and life and contrasting life that is uh, comes to mind Jesus inviting us to have life abundant life that life with capital L and this other kind of just life that is my uh, biological uh, life or just paying debts and working <laughs> just the, the invitation to kind of uh, move uh, our attention to a life that is offered when we follow Jesus the life that is promised by by God and and that has taken us into talking about desires, right? And the, the, even the desires I, I call them false self desire and true self desires. And, and here we are talking. What, what does it mean to to come to Jesus? So um, we have talked about discipleship, about this be, being the invitation of of this life. And uh, today uh, we're going to try to put the idea of disciples with life's greatest opportunity <laughs> and i wonder if if you will equate that in your mind not uh, as a, a sunday school answer uh more like a, a monday at noon <laughs> kind of answer like okay is discipleship the call to discipleship uh life's greatest opportunity and part of me say, yes, of course, I know and I love Jesus and in my best moments it is. But I have to admit that uh, there is a background there that sometimes I'm not aware, I'm not very conscious of it, um, that comes from the idea that discipleship has a cost, right? That we have been probably taught, uh, we have studied, we have journal we have uh learned uh, received sermons and, and and a lot of teaching about the cost of discipleship right and there is this kind of paradox again on one side we say jesus say the bible says the invitation is to consider that 
discipleship leads us to this amazing life that God is offering and that we long for. And on the other side, the discipleship has a cost and it's a pretty expensive cost. Is this cost too great? Does it prevent me from embracing fully a call to discipleship? And remember, the, the answer that we seek in our hearts is the truth and the, the true answer, not the theological answer, not the biblical answer. This is, uh, I know that we agree with theology, but what my soul says about it. So, that is the struggle. <laughs> Welcome. I don't know if it is for you. I will say it is for me sometimes. And I have memories of giving myself uh, at the beginning of my journey with Christ fully into a ministry. Really, I think it was such a wonderful journey. Uh, you know, I, I remember uh, living with such a seal for that. And uh, then when we just got married, uh, seeking that with my wife, living uh, kind of an incarnational ministry. And that took us to, to a couple adventures in our lives. When, and it was hard. And uh, we know, we knew it was hard and it shaped us and we will do it again, I guess. But then we have kids and life become a little bit more complicated and exhausting and geez, and sometimes that uh, is felt in a different way. I talk with people who are in the midst of ministry and, you know, consider their struggles and the costs that they are paying. You know, and I, I have more awareness probably of that tension. So I don't know how it is for you. I'm just naming what I think of me. So, for a moment, I leave you with a struggle and I invite you to consider, uh, yes, the, the idea is that that is the journey. And we, we had a beautiful song as we started today, the, the meditation that uh, it, it was for me at least a visceral experience for a moment that only in God, only with God, some of that moments that seem darkness can become light. Those things that some be painful become uh, life-giving and th there's kind of this uh they call it the up, uh, upside down reality of, of of this you know weak become strong and all of that but so the cost is 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 a gift so leave you with that and, and invite you to consider uh something that i think is very helpful uh, trevor hudson talks about three ways of being a disciple right and uh, it's very clarifying simple and helpful uh, the first is the way of information and he focuses uh, into that I can be a disciple by knowing, knowing intellectual, knowing my Bible, uh, studying my Bible, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's the information about God, uh, of God, what uh, makes me a, a knower or a disciple, a follower. And I believe there is value in that. We don't throw that through the window, but uh, the way that I put it in my own words is that it's just incomplete is insufficient to produce this life that we're looking for. There's a second way of discipleship that um, Hudson says is the way of inspiration, right? Is a way of the visceral experience of this high moment with God, this climax of worship 
and the climax of a moment, you know, top of the hill, when I have, oh my gosh, it has been such an inspiration, so, such a moment. It's, it's the, we, we do uh, once a year, I think, at least in, in the church, a testimony kind of weekend. And I remember all those testimonies, such an inspiration for my work with God. And it is wonderful, but it's also insufficient because I don't feel that inspiration all the time. I'm not in the top of the hill all the time. And the third is the way of interaction. Discipleship as the way of interaction. And this is interesting, right? Because pretty much it says discipleship is, is not only the one who knows and, and has moments of inspiration with God, but is the way of the one who interacts periodically, daily, often with Jesus. And I love it because I believe that we were created, you will agree with it, to interact with God. It's the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. And that interaction is, is where everything flows. And the more that, I don't know, I'm getting probably older, <laughs> I, I understand this more and more. I was just talking uh, about an experience this weekend. We were at the beach and... It was such a beautiful, but I was doing it, doing it, doing it with my kids, you know, okay, let's fly the kite, let's do this, no, 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 no. You know, I'm just going through the motions and yes, I'm doing it, I'm, I'm okay, I'm not yelling or anything, but I am absent, I'm not interacting with Jesus. And there is a moment in which I feel this little nudge from Jesus saying, hey, look up, <laughs> look at the ocean. And all these things was a reminder of, oh my gosh, so many scriptures, so many times, so many memories of me going to the ocean and meeting with God there. That was an interaction, right? That changed my day, by the way, in a good way. So, is this the way that you understand discipleship? The way of interaction. So our guides in this journey, Ignatius and Dallas Wheeler, right? So talk about um, in the Ignatian spirituality or exercises. They talk about in the second way of the exercises changes the focus, right, of prayer. And the prayer in the second week is is praying through the life of Jesus in order to do three things: in order to know Him, to love Him, and to follow Him. And I, I will say the big things that are highlight for me. Well, first, knowing. We, we don't know him intellectually only. We don't know him only for the inspiration. We know him in a way of really kind of having a, an, an, an interaction with him. We know how he thinks. We know how he talks. We know how he smiles. We know even in his silence how he is. Dallas Willard expands a little bit this idea of knowing Jesus. And he gives us these two, the, the way of knowing. One is the way of description, right? The way of information. And the other is the way of acquaintance. That is kind of the interaction. I know, I know, I know a friend because I know him. I know his voice. I know how he thinks. Instead of only knowing about my friend. I, I might not know a lot about my friend. I don't know all the data around his life. I might not know exactly his age, don't remember, but I know my friend. 
Did it make sense? I know how he thinks. I know how he responds. And that is the invitation to, 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 to know Jesus first. I, I used to say this. We cannot follow. We cannot obey is what I say. Something that we don't, that, that we don't love. I don't get to the way of obedience out of just punishment. <laughs> I want to, the, the, the obedience that I invite is a way of love. So I cannot, I'm never going to follow if I don't love. No, that is not the way, that is not the way of discipleship. That is not the calling. And I cannot follow or obey if, or if I don't love, and I cannot love if I don't know. Okay, so the point is, I need to get acquainted with this Jesus. So. In this interaction of Jesus is presented also by, uh, I think it's Dallas Wheeler, as, as a colloquy. I don't know, that is a Greek, uh, in Spanish we talk colloquio, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a conversation between friends. You know, it's in a conversation in which we listen attentively, we want to know. And we also speak, and we speak honestly. That's what we try to do with friends. It's a simple way to, to think of this interaction. Not only me saying, really, what is going on in my life. I, I always point people to the book uh, of the Psalms, you know, where you can have bad theology, okay? You have permission to call God blind or deaf. You're speaking from your heart, honestly. And God can take it. And you learn to listen, to be quiet, to have a sense how God is speaking. Every interaction that I, I try to have, if I am there to somehow facilitate some prayer, I will encourage you to stop and listen. What is the Lord saying to you? And that is... That is the, the interaction. I, I admit that listening requires more practice. I don't know if that's for you, but it's really my life. I need to do more effort to listen to my wife and to tell her all the things that I do. I'm really good at telling. And you know, I'm not different than my three-year-old, right? My three-year-old right now is telling me everything. What I want her is to listen to me. But that is normal. It's progress, right? So I'm a three-year-old Christian in a way. And that is not that, you know, at the beginning, oh, I need to talk and that's great. Do it. As time comes, remember that we start paying attention and listening more. And they talk about prayer become more silence. I love it. Uh, this is has stayed with me. And I think this is Dallas Wheeler. Uh, keep company with Jesus. And he says, keep company with Jesus' Gospels, with the stories. That's when we know Jesus. We know Jesus in the way that he interacted with Lazarus, with Peter, with John, with the centurion, with the Samaritan, with the sinner, with the religious. Keep company with Jesus' Gospels. Imagine, imaginative prayer is an example. It's really good stuff around that and David Banner has written really well also about that and finally the encouragement that Dallas Wheeler into this way of interaction right this 
this understanding the cost of discipleship in a different perspective is to keep guard or to to to, to guard our minds and I, I like it this also has a stay with me images the images the thoughts the pictures that you allow to come to you matter they shape in a way your heart and your mind philippians talks about whatever is good whatever is worthy of praise whatever is healthy whatever is loving whatever is is, is gentle whatever is from god keep those things in your mind right and this is really just be aware what are you letting in you know i have to be careful with news i read news maybe too much sometimes i really need to be careful Right? Because my mind is shaped into the reality of the world. <laughs> what is going on? I need to be careful with that. So keep Jesus in your mind, in your midst. Interact with him. And we might discover that that cost. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to tell you it's not costly, but the cost is not as expensive. Reward is a lot better. Wouldn't we think about that in our relationships? Those who, of us who are parents or have been married and have those relationships, oh my God, there's a lot of hard, it's a lot of work, but there's also so much of that that we wouldn't take it differently. So that is the greatest opportunity of life, to say yes to that call. Questions to, to, to open our dialogue what is the impact of considering the cost of discipleship for you um or what is the most familiar or easier way of discipleship for you whether you you stronger information inspiration interaction right some of us have a preference or a good at one or another and finally um you know if you consider keeping jesus constantly in your mind what is your experience with that how are you doing not not because of judgment or condemnation, but how that's working for you. So let's open conversation. And Judith, I invite you to start us. Okay. Um, yeah, the cost of discipleship has been something I've, I've been thinking about a lot. Um, One of the questions that comes to mind, yes, I, you know, I, I think of um, one of my favorite songs from the, the musical Godspell is, um, I think it's Day by Day, um, when we know, let's see, I can, I can hear it in my head. Um, well, never mind. I'll go back to that if I can, can come up with it. When I look at the early disciples, um, the followers of Jesus, the apprentices, the cost for some of them was was everything, wasn't it? Um, and we have to be aware of that. I mean, some of them lost their lives for their following of Christ. Um, and so there is, that's a tough thing to think about at times. Um, and, and I guess maybe, hmm, maybe I could think about this move and my taking this position here as part of the cost of 
following Christ because I really did and do believe that that I was called here. Um, I pray that's so. I pray I was listening correctly um, and attentively. Um, but the cost has, has been great. And with the loss of, of the familiar, the loss of the, the time with the friends in person, um, I guess most of the loss of the, the student life that I loved on campus, all of those things, there is a cost to, to this move. Um, and there's been some real blessings with this move too. Um, I've had some opportunities for some pastoral care moments that have been very, very special. Um, I've gotten to know some people that are, are becoming very dear to me and seeing um, how God has brought them into my life. So that's one of the things I think about with the cost. The familiar or easier way of discipleship. Um, sometimes I, I wonder if I if, if I'm talking to myself or if I'm if I'm really talking to the Lord, um, because I do, I, I interact, I'm trying to interact all the time, especially in these times of loneliness and or or frustration with the way I see things. Living in the city has awakened many, many, many questions for me. Um, I just went to CVS at lunchtime to pick up some little over-the-counter things that I needed. And as is typical here in the city, as soon as I was leaving the store, there was a gentleman outside who said, ma'am, do you have some change for me? I must be asked for money um, every time I'm out walking. This is not something I'm used to. And I see I see the unhoused um, in the city that are you know, sleeping in the doorway of the cathedral, um, on Sunday morning, sleeping in the back pews. Um, and so I, I do, I talk to the Lord a lot um, when I'm walking because I'm not sure what my reaction to, should be, what my response should be to these requests or how I should feel about all of these new things that I'm dealing with. What I need to do is learn to listen more. So not just, not just like I'm doing now and spilling a lot of stuff, but taking the time to listen, to hear what Jesus might be saying. Um, and the last question, this is something that I'm also trying because one of the things that I've noticed that's happened here when I'm here in Detroit is that, that I'm more fearful. And there are lots of thoughts that go through my mind. I have to be careful of this or be careful of that. And can I do this? Can I do that? Um, what am I holding in my mind? Am I holding the fears or am I trying to keep Jesus present there? And I'm really, this is something I'm, I'm very consciously working on is trying to keep my mind in a good place, um, keeping Jesus there because I can't allow those other things to affect me the way they have. So that's my um, short answer to everything. Yeah, thank you. Super helpful to see this specifically in your life, Judy. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, Laura, how is this for you? Um, so when I think about the, yeah, the cost of discipleship, I think I can relate um, a lot to what, to what um, Judith said. And even like, as you were talking, I was thinking about the, um, 
you know, the, there's a parable about, you know, who, to, who, who starts to build something without first counting the cost. Um, and I think about, I don't know, I think uh, there's lots of things, discipleship being one of them, actually, I think probably most important things in life that we don't, it's hard to count the cost because you don't know, you can't really know what you're getting into until you're in it. I feel like this about parenting or marriage or jobs or like just like anything of substance. Um, I mean, you can try to be prepared and count the cost, um, you know, and know what it entails, but it's hard to really know um, until you do it. And then even with discipleship, like, um, I I feel like kind of with discipleship, we're not supposed to be comfortable. Like if I'm, you know, you're supposed to be stretched and growing, um, which would mean you're kind of always a little uncomfortable. Um, you know, which is uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so I think, um, yeah, I have, I don't think the cost is too great. Um, but I am, I do certainly sometimes feel challenged, um, depending on what the call is, you know, obviously there's some things I feel led to that are easy. Oh yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. Um, you know, and there's some things where I'm like, really God, like, can't you give me something else, you know, and like, I'm arguing or praying, like, are you sure that's what you meant? You know, <laughs> I'm like Moses, ah, I'm not really good speak. Can you send somebody else? <laughs> like, um, let me try again. Uh, so yeah. So I think, and I think it's hard, like, on the slide, you know, you know, it leads to this amazing life we all long for. Um, but I think it's hard to even conceptualize that sometimes. Like, I know for me, it is anyway, when I think it's easier for me to say, oh yeah, God has these wonderful plans and these amazing things and they defy even our human understanding and, and they're so wonderful and amazing and stuff, but like, they really do defy my human understanding. Like, it's hard for me to not get hung up on what I think is good and what I think is uh, beneficial and stuff. So, um, for me, that sometimes is a challenge to embrace the calling because I don't even, I don't even feel like sometimes I have enough of an understanding of what, what God's offering that's better, um, that would incentivize me. I mean, not that God needs to incentivize me, but that would cause me to be like, oh yeah, I definitely want to do this, even though it's hard. Um, and I guess that's, yeah, I guess that's where faith comes in and just trusting that, um, trusting that even if I don't know what it is, it's the best thing. Uh, but that, that's a challenge for me sometimes. Um, and then, so, uh, the most familiar, easy way of discipleship, I think information is probably an easier one for me. Um, I really like learning. Uh, so for me, like reading the Bible and memorizing scripture and um, reading books and having kind of a scholarly, like academic type understanding and information about God and about Christianity and stuff um, probably comes more naturally to me. Um, I think in, maybe inspiration also. Um, I don't know. That one's a tougher question for me. Um and then with uh, keeping Jesus constantly in my mind, I would say, I would, I would like to say that that's constantly um, on my mind. And I think it is a lot of the times, um, but I like what you said about the conversation between friends and you said the word in Spanish is colloquy, right? Which is, I guess that's like English colloquial. Um, I'm sure that's where that word comes from. Uh that listen attentively and speak honestly and, and practice um, 
And I think, I know faith walking has helped me a lot to be a good listener um, in prayer and, and listening to God and not just talking. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm not in that headspace as much as I would like to be. Um, I do have Jesus on my mind a lot, but is it, you know, I would desire that a hundred percent of the time that would always be, um, you know, anything, I don't know, anything that's stressful or confusing or like any negative, anything in my mind that my first thought consistently every time would be, um, you know, prayer or trust or faith or something, uh, you know, really great and wholesome like that. Uh, but it is not, it's not always the case for me. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I've got. Thank you, Laura. Yeah, it's, it's, it's colloquial. And yeah, just very briefly, you, you say, yeah, keeping Jesus in my mind all the time. Uh, I remember just this comment. I, I believe always that uh, it's the awareness what matters. And it's not perfection. It's just returning. It's coming back. You know, oh, yeah. And, you know, it's, I don't know if it's 24-7. me. <laughs> But um, it's just awareness to coming back to him sometimes when I believe it's there. I imagine us too. Yeah. Okay, um, Nancy, what do you, what you have for us? Well, I really enjoyed this chapter. Um, a lot of the information or the content is like brand new ideas for me. Um, like the idea of the way of discipleship, the way I grew up, it was very much inspiration. I mean, a Pentecostal, it getting to know Jesus was through the highs, right? Like it was a very emotionally based kind of interaction. And, um, and like you were saying, Marcos, that I mean, we're not always on the mountaintop, you know, and uh, and moments in the desert can be really hard if, if you're just depending on the inspiration way. Um, and so I, I, I didn't even uh, I hadn't even considered this way of interaction, you know, um, of of just practicing of uh, just practicing the, you know, keeping in company with him. Um, and I am, I, I, I want to take on the challenge actually of reading the gospels and trying to, um, interact with him in that way. So I'm, I want to take this on and I want to experience interacting with him in the gospels. Um, like he was saying how Dallas Willard, he, Trevor was saying, I was listening to his talk about this chapter and he was saying how um, he asked Dallas, hey, do you have some good books that you could recommend that I read? And Dallas Willard told him, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then he's like, yeah, no, no, I already read those. Can you give me others? He said, read those for the next 30 years. And his point, of course, being that, um, you can't get enough of just spending time in the gospels. That is the way to walk with Jesus. Um, one of the ways to walk with Jesus. And uh, anyway, that was really impactful for me. And I, I was, I'm going to take that on. Um, and I'm going to read the gospels and just try to imagine myself in those moments of being with Jesus. I've never done that. Uh, I was thinking of the, um, 
that series, The Chosen. And I was when I I have seen all this the the series, and we look forward to the next season. And um, watching The Chosen was a really cool way for me to um, just imagine Jesus, just being with Jesus. Um, anyway, but I think I read. I, I tend to go over to the letters, Paul's letters, not saying that Paul's letters are any less, but I'm like, you know, I don't think I have dwelled enough in the, uh, in the gospels. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And, um, I really, uh, liked also Trevor made some recommendations on how to get to know Jesus. And he says, become part of a company of faith, a community of faith, which, you know, is just being active in the church. And not only that, I would consider faith walking to be a community of faith as well. And then he also says, um, get in touch with those who are suffering. Um, And then his third way is begin to keep company with Christ and the Gospels, which is the challenge that I want to take on. So, yeah. That's wonderful. Nancy, I'm so happy when you say, I'm going to take that on. I'm going to take that on. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so much wisdom. Thank you for sharing. Trish, how is this for you? I've really resonated with different parts of what everybody's shared so far. And um, I think with the question number one is it's been my experience, like what both Laura and Judith had talked about considering the cost, but not fully considering it because we don't really know what's ahead. And I'll be honest, if, (laughs) if I had known what was ahead in the suffering part of it, I would have probably been slow to respond. Um, Just because it has been very costly to enter into um, some of the experiences that God has led us into. Um, I remember when we were wanting to first adopt and filling out an application at a nearby adoption agency. And of course, we you have to fill out tons of paperwork. You have to say what kind of baby you will accept, what kind of baby you won't accept, which is tough, but those questions had to be answered. And I remember on that, first time. I mean, my husband and I going through it and, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't really want to get involved with anything to do with, uh, mental health or with, um, drugs or substances or anything like that. And, um, but lo and behold, I mean, God kind of overrode all of those preferences, uh, with the adoption of our two girls. And because they had both been born to other sisters, their biological sisters, but to drug addicted parents and some of its genetic mental health, genetic mental health issues and all of that. Um, But I do know without a doubt that God placed each of our four children in our family. And um, Laura and I were talking about, I was sharing some specific things that we're going through right now, but I've been kind of reflecting on this. And as y'all were talking, I just, I wrote down some of the experiences and the awareness now that I have through 
the suffering. And, and it's been, I mean, so much with our kids. And my, my husband got a cancer diagnosis 18 years ago. So there was all of that. Um, but with my kids, it thrust us with our first one into a world of um, birth defects, major surgery, the hospital world with our first child. And he had the first six years were really rough in and out of the hospital um, until he had heart surgery when he was six. And then from there, I mean, like learning disabilities, the whole adoption system, the CPS system, immigration, because my girls were born in Mexico, and that's a whole nother story. But the mental health system, the addiction and the world of addiction and all that that entails, the prison system, um, LGBTQ issues. And we've been thrust into all of those things with our four kids. And it hasn't been something... Um, you know, sitting on the outside and listening to a friend. It's like, these are things we've had to enter into and look for how God is moving. And the biggest thing, and it, there was something that Nancy said at the end about, you know, walking with Jesus closer is that you look for the suffering, who is suffering. And in all of these areas and all of these systems, more specifically like the state and federal systems, they are so messed up. They're so messed up that I don't know how, but for the grace of God, that any of that could be turned around. Um, but it's also been seeing the people in the systems that are suffering, um, along with the stuff our kids are going through, that has given me a larger compassion for the people that are experiencing it. It's not those other people. It's not those type of people. These are like regular people. Every person is a regular person. <laughs> and I just, I have so much more compassion. And I know that the Lord sends us to places that he used to go to. And that's like those people who are on the fringes, those people who have no voice. Um, and so it's been back to considering the cost of discipleship. I, I'd say I wouldn't do it, but probably deep down I would. It's just I had no idea what was ahead of me. Um, and I'm glad <laughs> because Trish back then is a lot different than Trish is now. Um, my most familiar or easier way of discipleship, this was a really great section too, because for most of my Christian life, that was when I became a Christian in my late 20s. I'd been in church, in the church before that. But it was through information. It was like, you know, you accept the Lord and it's information, information, information. You go to Bible studies, you memorize verses, you do all of these things. And every once in a while, there would be inspiration um, if we had like a, a traveling evangelist come through or somebody that was inspirational and um, that until about 10 years ago, I had no idea about the interaction, really no idea. And um, in fact, it was, I was, had become a part of a church that um, really they didn't say that wasn't possible, but really they did because they said the only way that we can hear from God is through the Bible. 
And I found that not to be, that's not true. (laughs) Um, Everything should be seen filtered through the Bible, but God speaks in so many very different ways. And so now I've been in the process of, of learning to interact with Jesus and walking more closely with him. And I've also, one of the things I've learned is that if I feel like I am um, not passionate about growing in him and getting him to be, to know him more, I ask him to give it to me. And he does. He gives me that hunger. He gives me that yearning because he wants to be with me. Um, this is something that came up Friday and, and keep calm is that we were talking about, Ken was talking about when Jesus called his first disciples. And in that passage of scripture, it says Jesus wanted to be with them. And that just jumped out at me because I had never, I had never felt like that. I had felt like he kind of begrudgingly like, okay, yeah, you're, you know, you can follow me too. Um, but not that he wanted to really be with me. And I have been finding that to be increasingly true. And um, of course, listening has been huge over the last many years. And the importance of that's what really led me into spiritual direction. And God continues to refine that and draw me closer. And um, a lot of times he speaks to me through creation when I'm not consciously aware of um, his presence. I mean, I ask that I be more aware of his presence all the time, but like yesterday I was opening the blinds. We live, there's a goalie behind us. And so there's a good amount of bird life back there, which I really enjoy. And um, there's been a number of things that God has called my attention to regarding egrets because there's a water source down there. And so we have egrets, we have the smaller ones and then the giant egrets. And then yesterday, so I'm lifting the blinds and I see all of a sudden flying over the gully, a flock of egrets, which is very unusual because you don't usually see egrets in flocks. They're a solitary bird. And so I just stood there and gazed at the sky and watched and was like, what's going on, God? What's go- Why are they all in a flock like this? And what are they doing? And um, I looked it up and it might've been that they were migrating, but um, a lot of times he'll tell me to like, look up, look up, look up and see, see what I have given you, see what I'm showing you. Um, yeah. So I, I love that. I think I was on a call one time with Laura and Judith, actually, when a, a giant egret landed y'all remember this because I said wait a minute I got to take a picture Judith remembers it it was a it was the giant egret and it landed in my front yard and stood there in front of the window where I was for a long while and I have never before that never since then have I seen an egret in somebody's front yard (laughs) so it just it makes me wonder you know God what are you saying but mostly it makes me wonder at his creation and just how amazing it is. Yeah. Awesome. Trish, thank you. So many good encouragement and truth in what you share. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just encourage us as, as we close today, I think you are giving us a picture 
that is a beautiful one. Do we believe that Jesus wants to be with us? Little us. Well, it's a beautiful way to close and hold that into his presence. Bring that question to him. This is our blessing, as we usually do. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I'm gonna look twice at you Until I see the Christ in you Till I'm looking through the eyes of love Till I'm looking through the eyes